Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the show. Before I start talking about today's guest, let's talk about a couple of workshops I have coming up. So on July 15th, the HKC, Hardstyle Kettlebell Certification, One Day Kettlebell Certification, returns to Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery. It's like the third or fourth, fourth year we've been, we've been doing them. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the Coach Fury podcast. Before we start talking about today's guests... Hey everybody, welcome to episode 38 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Bef- hey everybody, welcome to episode 38 of the show. Before I start speaking with today's guest, let's talk about a couple of workshops I have coming up. On July 15th, Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery, the Hard Style Kettlebell Certification, the HKC One Day Kettlebell Certification is coming, and I'm very excited to show you how to fully express, coach, and troubleshoot the kettlebell swing, the goblet squat, and the getup. These are the three things, whether you're a coach or an enthusiast, if you really want to dive into kettlebells, you want to learn to master these three things. They set the foundations for everything else. So come and take that. I'm also very excited that on September 22nd and 23rd, I'm coming back to MSG Strength in Weymouth, Mass for the DVRT Level 1 and 2 certification. We had such a good time with Tina, Tim, and the crew at the DVRT workshop a few weeks ago. We're going to bring the full-on certifications there. So you can take Level 1, you can take Level 2, or you can take both of them together at a discounted price. Also, if you've taken the DVRT workshop there or somewhere else, the workshop, you can apply the cost of that workshop to this certification. So, folks, if you've been listening to this show, you know that DVRT makes up a big part of my training philosophy. Not just that I use Ultimate Sandbags a lot, but how I use them and use the other things to view movement through this system. You're going to get a lot out of this, not just how to use a sandbag. Actually, that would be the most disappointing thing for me is if you just figured out how to use a sandbag. I want you to look at movement differently and see how we apply it. The system's awesome, so I hope to see you there. I've got some other stuff coming up. Original Strength, we're working on a date at MFF Bowery as well. Not locked yet. Uh, Tokyo, RKC sold out. We're going to make Original Strength happen out there again, though, shortly after. So very excited about that. And again, the Die Mighty Workshop is in the works for October. A lot of cool stuff coming on. Thank you for everybody that's been involved in hosting, setting these things up. It's been fantastic. Just taught three workshops back to back. DVRT workshop, following weekend, RKC2, last weekend, um, Original Strength in Austin. And I just, it's awesome. I love getting to teach. I love getting to share. I hope that comes through on this show. So I hope to see you at one of these events. Now, without further ado, no Fury fan out this time, because I just had a really great chat with Becky Cody, who is this week's guest. I just spoiled it. This week's guest is my friend Becky Cody from DFIT in Jersey. So, enjoy. I'm going to redo that. You deserve so much better than that intro. Hey, everybody. Oh, God, it's all good. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Uh, We're we're chatting with my friend Becky Cody. And Becky Cody was someone of a legend before I met her to me because we have a mutual friend, uh, co-worker, her friend of hers, Osar, that I've been training off and on over the last couple of years, would come in for sessions and stuff and always talk about Becky Cody, Becky Cody. She's got great kettlebell skills, <laughs> Becky Cody. And then all of a sudden, last year, I'm teaching my first level two at Catalyst, RKC2 at Catalyst. And guess who signed up? Becky Cody. <laughs> and I didn't realize really? it until like the day of that it was you. Um, so welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. That's such a nice introduction. 
Well, it's true. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, yeah. Thank it, you. And if you're feeling fancy after that intro, I've got a lot of smoke to blow up your ass because I, I've got oh, a lot nice. of, I'm looking I, forward to it. Good I, I to start of, off the weekend. I got a lot of praise for Becky Cody. Let's let's get this out of the way before we get in, in, into one of the things that I'm excited to have Becky on the show for. Um, one of the things that impresses her impresses me about her is in the realm of being if we want to like like piece apart things and let's just say in the realm of being an rkc kettlebell instructor or a hard style kettlebell instructor right like if we really focus in on just that aspect and a lot of us back in the day really did just focus in on that aspect um you know i think we're all thinking bigger now but if i just take this thing becky is the perfect example of an rkc or hard style instructor and she's what i think a lot of us should aspire to be we haven't had this conversation yet, Becky, so this is going to be like new to her. Uh, as an RKC exactly. instructor or a hard style instructor for either either of the brands, um, it's because you know in, in Strong First they have this thing uh, in their code of conduct. I am a quiet professional, and Becky's that like she's super personable. But when she walks around the room, whether it's at a cert that she's attending or a cert that she's assisting, she's there's there's no ego involved. But at the moment that you need her to demo something, like she's on point to demo it, she'll demo it perfectly. And you know, I'll say that's like she's she's a step better than I was when I was in an assisting phase for kettlebells because I definitely didn't realize at the time, but my ego was in there. Like, I mean, I think we all want to do really well, and I think maybe I got caught up in it a little bit too much. But I also knew that I wanted to be ready. If I needed to demo something, like I was going to be on point. Now that I've been teaching for several years, um, the, our last RKC2 that Becky, she took it with me last year, she assisted with me this year, was four years in leadership at the RKC. And I remember when I got to assist a lot, um, especially for like the likes of Phil Scarito and John Engham in particular. But like John would be like, look, I would bring you guys on that we know will do good work because it's one less thing for us to worry about. You know, Brett Jones would have these moments where he would leave us in the room while he went to do other stuff. And he would specifically say like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving for the moment to go handle other stuff because I know you have this. And when Becky's in the room, whether it's assisting me or somebody else at a cert, like Becky, I just know you have this. And I know the attendees are going to be covered. And I know you know how to troubleshoot, not just your own random drills too, but also like to stick to the curriculum when there's in a, in a course environment. So I just want to say uh, that's why Becky's on the show. In addition to, right, that's first and foremost. Now, in addition to, Becky, you're also like a, a, a great example of a very strong woman that holds herself very well, but definitely defies this myth of like kettlebells or lifting make you bulky or jacked because you wouldn't like you're, you're deceptively, deceptively strong. I mean, you look clearly fit, but like deceptively strong. And I think that's good for people to see because I, I think there's been this weird rise and I don't know if because kettlebells got thrown in with CrossFit, but like that kettlebell suddenly make everybody bulky. I think it's also we barbell lift with kettlebells a lot more often now just as a, as a culture as opposed to it used to be its own standalone thing where it's like, you know, you get a lot of like the bulky thing, whereas kettlebells are actually like the opposite of that. And you're a great example of that. And I just spoke a lot. So that is so nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> so like I, the nicest thing I've ever heard. Well, it, Christmas came early, but it's Christmas deservedly early. so. It's deservedly so. So with that, I thought it'd Thank be interesting you. for the listeners to hear Becky's point of view. So let, let's let's split this apart. Um, 
it, it, you know, you, you certainly carry your initials proudly of being an RKC, RKC2, because you've worked hard for them. And, and that's what I hope for everybody. But I also, you, you don't carry yourself like you're better than anybody else because you have a set of initials, right? And, and that's important. Whereas yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, that idea of the quiet professional on either front, I think it's lost because we get so emboldened by the stuff we've just earned. But like, what does like being a hard style RKC kettlebell instructor mean to you? Never asked that directly. So, I know that's a lot. So first of all, my first name is Rebecca. My middle name is Kathleen and my last name is Cody. So my initials are actually RKC. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't know if you've ever picked up on that. I have not. I actually didn't pick up on that either. I came back from a cert and um, I think it was a star who was like, oh my God, RKC. Like he said something like there's RKC and he was like your initials. And I was like, oh my God, I was totally thinking Russian kettlebell certified, but it was actually that my initials are actually RKC. So, and I was not the first person to pick up on that. But so to say that I'm proud um, is completely an understatement. But um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I I guess my goal in, in all of this is to make strength training and particularly kettlebell training as I've become more specialized, just more accessible, especially to women. Um, you know, the, their kettlebells are heavy and um, there's a lot of breathing and there's a lot of ballistics. And I think it, it can be intimidating. Um, to the average person. So I think that that's been my goal all along is just to make it accessible and friendly. You do a wonderful job of that, by the way. And, and I think it's, it's a Thank good you. change. It's a good change that's been happening. Um, we mentioned this at the last RKC too, where when I went through my first RKC was in 2010. My first RKC two was in 2011. And, you know, there were certainly a good number of women there, but I'd say like, it was probably like, somewhat in the 70 30 at best right maybe even like 80 yeah. 20 men to women and certainly yeah. there was a, a much more um hardcore training attitude going in that i don't want to say it's definitely softened and become more approachable just because it's become more accessible like i don't know if that was like yeah. a, a marketing item i know for the rkc we we, we did specifically want to take out the intimidation factor because let's face it like a snatch test is intimidating enough like you don't really need to add right. more on top of that but you know you've been a part of these where it's becoming more like 60 40 and sometimes it's actually more yeah. women than men what do you wow. what do you think that change is is happening that you've been seeing what, what do you think spurring that on um that's a good question i just i think that there's a there's a really big shift in taking away the fear of you know bulking up when lifting heavy um, I, I, Girls Gone Strong is a really good example of that. They've done some really good things. I know Artemis has done some really good things. Um, I'm a fan of hers. I don't know her personally. Um, but, you know, social media has kind of, I think it's helped a lot and it brings some bad things to the table too. But I think that that's one of the places where it's been a really great thing in fitness. Wait, you know, wait. In terms of opening up. Yeah, I would agree oh, with that. No, I would agree with that. I, I think hopefully in the land of gimmicks, right? And, and there's a lot of things that are, are, are somewhat legit when we talk about gimmicks and a kettlebell can be considered a gimmick and a sandbag mm -hmm. can be considered a gimmick in an Indian club until you actually learn how to use it and how to apply it, right? It's like, a, right. It's, it's a thing and a sales item until we actually know how to use it and then value it, whether, whether it's worth. What are you seeing in terms of people realizing getting past that idea of like the kettlebell class in terms of in, in just sort of wrapping their head around the fact that like this is actually like a strength class or a fitness class or a conditioning class that happens to use kettlebells? What, do, you, do you see that changing or do you think it's still being viewed as like an implement? 
so it's so funny. So Asar and I started a kettlebell class at DeFit where we work. And we've definitely, like, there, there was a lot, there's a ton of fear in the beginning. Mostly people worried about throwing their backs out and, you know, worried about bulking up and using heavier weights. And I'm used to holding five-pound dumbbells, and now you're asking me to hold a, you know, whatever it is that, that they're using. And I just think with our patients and, um, and with time and, um, you know, just some encouragement and regressions and things like that, um, I just think that, pe- that you take the fear away when people see results. And that's really what everybody is looking for. And, you know, we've had people who have um, been taking the class who, you know, their back hurt maybe the first time, and they're realizing that over time with good technique that, you know, that's not happening and they're seeing results. Um, I mean, that's really what people are looking for. That's you said something really cool that I, I haven't heard expressed this way, but you know, people come in with fear until they see results. And one of the things I'm yeah. sure you get this question. Um, I know an original strength that comes up a lot is like, how do you get buy-in? Like, how do you sell this to a person? And yeah, I pretty much. And you said like, no matter what it is, kettlebells or anything that looks intimidating with load, right. Is going to be, fear at first for, for new people, unless you're like really excited about it. But even if you're really excited about it, there's that little bit of like the roller coaster, like what's this going to be? Or even if it's just, am I going to be good at it or not? I get yeah. nervous when I try something new. Um, the, sure. downs, the downside sometimes of like being an instructor that teaches is I sometimes feel like they're going to look at see, they're, they're, they're not going to let me just play with this. They're going to like look to see how well I do something as opposed to just, right. like, you know, never done this before. Um, but the results, so when people ask me about buy-ins, like, you know, especially in the context of, say, original strength or even with kettlebells, I, you know, I don't sell the thing so much. I can explain why we're going to do something if it comes you yeah. know, as a thing, but I don't try to sell, like, the hard-style system out of the gate. I try to sell, the you know, the importance of the movement and why it would benefit them. And mm-hmm. it is, once you get results, folks, like, you don't have to necessarily sell it. You'll have it. Like, they just feel like, all right, exactly. swings are good. Swings have done this for me. And, yeah. you know, I think the, the two things that I would say with, with kettlebells that are the intimidating factor is, 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 yeah, the back thing seems to be a big one. And I know there was just not that long ago, like a few months ago on Facebook, there was like a, a half-assed faux medical thing that was like, kettlebells are bad for your back. That, uh, that went a little viral. I don't know if you got to, to, to see that one. But what yeah. most people need to realize is like, you know, your, your back and your spine have muscles and mm-hmm. you, you also have joints. And a lot of the back issues are when people aren't using the right muscles, but, and, and more importantly, not using the right joints to make movement happen. So if you use exactly. your vertebrae as a pelvis, as a shoulder girdle, <laughs> you know, as your knees, yeah, <laughs> kettlebells are a great way to yeah. train not to do that. You need to start thinking about That's your joints, your hip sockets, your shoulders, your shoulder blades. Yeah. And to, yeah. to uh, quite frankly, to wake that ass up because your lower back yeah. and your neck love to lift for you. And people right. don't see that as the issue. They see the heavy weight in front of them or the kettlebell in front of them. Yeah. What would you say is the second hardest part when people, when people are getting a, or fear thing with kettlebells, when people are starting? Um, you know, you mean, what are they afraid of or what, yeah. how do you get them past it? No, what are they afraid of? And then you can tell what, how do you get them past it? Um, I mean, there's injury is probably number one. And number two, we still have, we still have that fear that if I lift over five pounds, I'm going to get huge muscles and I'm, you know, I'm going to look like Arnold. If only it were that easy. 
I know, right? It's really, really hard. You have to explain that to people, especially women. Like, you don't possibly have enough testosterone for that to happen. Or, or, or that you're eating enough to make that happen. That's the other it's side of it. People don't realize that, like, suddenly, you, you, oh, you want, you're getting bulky on kettlebells, so you're using very heavy kettlebells. Yeah. <laughs> and you're eating an extra 2,000 calories a day. I know. Um, I know. I know. Exactly. What do you think is the most rewarding thing that they experience with kettlebells? somebody new. Oh my gosh. So this is, this is like, this has happened a lot lately. Um, I think it's, it's, it's cool to see somebody come into their power. Um, and I see that happen more with kettlebells. I don't just use kettlebells. I use other things, but, um, but particularly with swings, when people come into their power and they see, you know, that's an athletic body, uh, that they never really knew that they had. And they come into this like athleticism that they didn't realize they had and everything clicked. And that spills over into other places. And that's yeah. strength training in general. But like, particularly with what I see, I think it, you know, it spills over to your professional life and other things. I love that phrase come into power because it, it's super true with somebody suddenly we, we have um, Christian and the Fury crew over here came in very new to kettlebells and, you know, even new to deadlifting. And he yeah. has been, you know, he comes to class once a week, but then he practices what we go over at his, at his, you know, yeah. at his gym closer to home. And, you know, he's, he's been here three and a half months and he's swinging like so powerfully that, you know, he keeps, he, it's yeah. funny, he writes down the weights that he's going to use in this notebook that I gave him because, you know, it's once yeah. a week, it's kind of hard to remember, but almost every time he comes in here the next day, it's like, here's the next one because he's able to That's express awesome. himself now in a really different way. And he's got a martial artist background, but the rigidity of actual lifting was new to him, you know, like having to be a little bit yeah. more controlled within the position in a different way. And it was really cool. He came into power, like in the last couple of things, especially yeah. last night was, uh, he was in class last night and you see that there's that joy that hits because you basically just yeah. broke your own limitation. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say this so too, cool. with the kettlebell swing in particular is that there's sometimes, and this wasn't, Christian wasn't the case in this, but sometimes because it's an idea, I would imagine Olympic lifting's like this too. There's this thing with the swing where subconsciously people don't even realize how afraid they are of it because there's that lizard yeah. brain part of them that's like, what are you doing holding on to a heavy piece of iron, making it go very fast, and then not letting yeah. go, and then holding on to it yeah. again, right? And right. I think when you can get somebody not only to swing well, but that that switch turns off, right? There's like a, a subconscious, mm -hmm. like the, the, the guard goes down. I just, mm -hmm. you know, it's like how you said that applies to life. Like, I, I got to think that other things, other barriers, whatever it might be, it's some pain in the ass at work starts to, that all that starts to become more approachable when you start yeah. overcoming these challenges. And that's like, like training should be. I mean, it, it shouldn't be brutal. Uh, I mean, there's points, I guess, where you could say like, you know, a snatch test can be brutal, but for most gen pop yeah. folks, it just has to be challenging and you can make it fun. Right. But, you know, as long yeah. as they're proving to themselves that they can get better and do things that they didn't think they were capable of, uh, yeah. yeah, that's empowering. That's the, that, those are the yeah. greatest transitions for me, the greatest, like, moments when somebody's like, holy shit, I just did that. Yeah, and it looks awesome. Yeah, and you start to see, you know, and, and, and when they start, when, especially new, I love it when it's newer members, veteran members that move really well, you, it's like, you know, they know yeah. they have this when they go to an outside facility, but when the newer members come in, 
they're like, yeah, I saw someone mm-hmm. doing swings or a get up at the gym the other day. Or better yet, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, they're like, yeah, I saw I saw a trainer at the gym doing a get up. Oh man, yeah. it was not right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens more often than you think. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about DFIT. I've never been to your place, but clearly it's okay. got at least two amazing coaches between you and Asar. What what what's the model <laughs> of DFIT? And this is in Jersey. Yeah. Oh, it's real. Yeah, it's in Montclair, New Jersey. It's a it's a special place. It's um it's a boutique studio, I guess you would call it. Um, and it is for group classes and personal training and small group training. Um, that's it. And it's not a place where you can walk in and jump on the treadmill and you know do your thirty minutes and then jump out. Like you're either with a coach or you're in a class. Um, there's a spin studio attached to it, also a yoga studio. So it's grown substantially. It's been open almost exactly seven years. Um, yeah, it's a special place. The owners kind of give us, give us a lot of, a lot of rope, um, to be creative and, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of structure there. So we can kind of be who we want to be, find our strengths and kind of roll with it. So it's been a really great place for me to develop. Um, it's a special community of people who want to be fit, who want to be healthy, who want to, you know, who want to train. So yeah, it's been really, it's been really great for me. Oh, that's awesome. Now, do you guys, I, I know Fisher posted up recently, you guys were looking for a new hire over there. Did you get somebody new? Um, we are um, often getting people new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's such a big place there. There are so many, you know, spots to be filled, roles to be filled. Um, you know, not only are there, there are yoga positions, there are spin positions, there are all kinds of other positions, but we keep the personal training group quite small. Um, so how many, so that's, how many, that's how many people are in a semi-private group with you or small group? As many as four. Um, so I can train four people. Um, that would be called, that would be considered like semi-private. And then I can do something that's called like a small group and that's six or more up to like 10 or 12. And then we have our large group classes, which are like 15, 20. And on those, on those small group ones, the six to 12, are they all doing the same program or do they all have their own program? Uh, there, it depends on what they're doing, but if I were to do, I don't have any six to 12 right now. Like I don't have any small groups, um, of kettlebells, but at this point, um, you know, thanks to strength section, I'd probably put them each on their own program or at least group them, um, you know, some kind of, some kind of system there with groups. Nice. Yes, everybody. We have another strength faction member on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> but I, I knew Becky before she joined the faction. So it wasn't that. Yeah, yeah we literally just we're, we were just wrapping at the recording of this uh, Monday when this comes out. When you're hearing this, uh, it will be the second week of the current phase of strength faction. And it's been a really good team so far. Uh, I think we seem to be getting a lot more interaction from everybody right out yeah. the gate than it seems perhaps in the last couple of semesters. But yeah, it's awesome. It's really great. Well, let's talk about this now. So let's talk about strength faction for a moment and say, you know, you mentioned how it might change some systems, how you program there. What, what, have, what have been some other takeaways? Is there a big takeaway? One of the things that I, I was thinking about chatting with you about is, so you've got two kids and yeah. so do I, they're not the same kids yep. and you know, <laughs> we have trainer life. So Becky and I actually like struggled back and forth a little bit to, to book this. Just, it's hard to get trainers on the same time frame, especially when there's kids. Cause like, if my kids are here, I don't want to be recording a podcast. Um, so we had that struggle. Ha- has there been anything specifically 
from a, a personal development, time management side, uh, any sort of, I hate to phrase life hack, but I guess you could say it, that you've picked up from the faction that's helped you smooth out the juggle between personal life, family, and training life? I guess like, um, like really bird's eye view, I think, you know, that perfect equals failure um, kind of sticks with me. Uh, I just, for me to take time on it and take time away from my family, it has to be really, really worth it. Um, so, and I've, you know, I've failed and I have really succeeded. Like if I'm going to spend um, a weekend away from my family to do an RKC event, like that's, I'm going to get something out of that. That's like, that's great. That's excellent. But if I'm going to spend, you know, I've, I've done the other two. Um, where I spend time away and it wasn't worth it. And I just created all this extra stress and, you know, pickups and drop-offs and blah, 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 all the other things that moms and dads have to do. Um, and it wasn't worth it. So I think it's just, just deciding, um, prioritizing what is actually, you know, worth it, worth my time. Yeah. That's, that's the hustle, isn't it? Like it's, it's trying to weigh yeah. out those options. Um, we read at, at MFF, Mark, the, the Mark and Keeler had us read um, essentialism. And they talked mm -hmm. about, you know, the power of saying no. And it was the first time that I think I started actually clearing space by saying no to things, like just being realistic. Like if I'm training my ass off or working on the show or writing, shooting videos, whatever it might be, you know, I don't want to go back out necessarily. I want to hang out with yeah. kids. Flip side of that, though, I'll go by like two months where I'm like, I or three months, I'm like, I haven't seen anybody else. <laughs> and I'm like, do yeah. I have any friends? not on the gym floor and it, <laughs> it's the biggest struggle and it's one of the things one of the things that was actually really cool at, at, at the recording of this is you know I left MFF uh, a little over a year ago now to have control over my schedule and it's been a roller coaster and there's been some great things and there's you know my business model has been switching and I, I finally feel like I have a model that seems to really fit my life. I just need to bring more people within it, if that makes sense. But I got to go to my, yeah. kids, my kids' school play, which historically speaking, yeah. I always struggled because they're 9 a.m. in the morning. And how am I going to, you know, that's mm -hmm. almost always a session or two, mm -hmm. you know. So yep. this was like, it, it was such an amazing moment to where I actually sat down. I was like, oh, no, I can actually go do this. And I don't yeah. need to rush out to go hit a session or rush into the city or to go train. And I could come right. back casually yeah. <laughs> up on the phone with you and I've got stuff yeah. today, like I've got a busy day but then they get to come back over this afternoon and my schedule is clear and yeah. that's been a struggle to find that you know is, is that balance and I finally feel like I'm there but that is a big thing within strength faction I know I've struggled with some of the programming lately like not this round yeah. but just my stuff with my life what's going on the, the, the thyroid stuff and yeah. some things that have come up and the one thing i've always the last two phases this phase last phase and this phase is that piggy bank so at strength faction we talk about feeding the piggy bank like picking one yep. thing that you're going to do for yourself whether it's every day every week like it's just a moment for yourself and it's so small and it could be as small for me it's like i make sure i, I finally drink my green drink every morning because i always, oh amazing good i forget to do it if i wait during the day and then I've just been yeah. building my morning ritual off of that because I'm one of those cats mm -hmm. that wastes a lot of time in the morning. I've just yeah. needed me time, but it's not always productive yep. me time because I feel like as trainers, we go out and everything is productive once we're out. Um, yep. But I'm trying to find a way to make it take advantage of that. And so I, I resonate with that. Um, do you have any sort of like a 
a level, a gauge of like, this is worth it for you, or this is not worth time away from the family for you? Um, that's a good question. I'm still kind of, I feel like that changes all the time. Um, you know, if right now my goal is to become a better coach, then it has to directly impact my coaching. So I guess that that's probably how I gauge that. If it's going to, you know, help my coaching or help my clients, then, then yeah. But if it's not directly going to do that, directly going to impact that, then it's not part of my goal. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So you've, you've had three full weekends since I've known you, um, specifically assisting. So you've assisted, um, two RKCs at Crunch 59th Street, one that I was a part of, and then the one with, with Dan that I wasn't a part of. And then we did the RKC2 last week. And what do you think What, what do you think is different when you're on the other side? And, and folks listening, I don't want this just to be about the RKC. I mean, just like if you go to assist at a course, whatever it might be, I think there's a different perspective and different knowledge earned. So um, if you're like, ugh, RKC talk or whatever, kettlebell talk, just yeah. think, think bigger, okay? <laughs> but what do you think mm-hmm. you mean? assisting at a course that is different than going through it? Huh. Uh, so I think for me, um, it's like, so you go to a course like any of them and it's like drinking from a fire hose, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to assist and you kind of, you get to hear it again and you get to see you through different eyes um, and you get to hear different cues and, um, you know, see different movement styles. And so, I mean, that's kind of been my takeaway where you come home from a course like that and you feel like, you know, you're probably like 50 or 60% of the way there. You have the credentials, you have the initials or whatever you have, like, you know, but you're probably only really like 50 or 60% of the way there um, until you actually get to experience it and hands-on and like do and teach. Um, yeah, that's, that's been the biggest difference for me. Yeah, I'd say it's, you get to see a different level of nuance because a lot of the times it's certs, you're, you're caught in like the, you know, the try and retry with your partner, you know, throughout the day Yeah. versus when you get yeah. to assist, you get to see those interactions of the try yeah. and retry and in a very, you know, however many people might be there. So if it was like, you know, an event of old, like the, the RKC we did with Dan and Annie and Matt, you know, 50, about 50 people. In a very short period of time, you can see the similarities. Not, you know, like in gen pop world, you're going to see if you're going to teach somebody a deadlift or a swing, you're going to probably see like the same, say five to 12 things, yeah. right? It's like it's almost the same. So once yeah. you have like your big rocks, it's like, you know, you, you need like this many cues to, to pull it apart. But then you start to see the commonalities yeah. with trainers where it's like, all right, you know, and then you, you really realize like, you know what? They're just like, overpowered versions. I don't mean that in negative. I mean, they're just generally stronger yeah. versions of a gen pop in a way. We just have a different yeah. knowledge. So you see a lot of the same movement issues. Sometimes they're worse because some people come in really banged up. Um, banged up, yeah. From a history of lifting or competing or something. So it's actually almost, you know, uh, as opposed to somebody gen pop who might have trouble moving just because they haven't ever been showed properly or they've been sitting at a desk forever. Uh, trainers might yeah. come in and like they move poorly because like, you know, they might have 15 years of martial arts and their shoulders are shot or they've been powerlifting and knees are shot, whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. So that when you come back to gen pop world, you, you just see the relatedness in a different way. I don't want to, I'm not trying to stretch this yeah. into brand or thought. Yeah. It just simplifies coaching in a way that if you can see and assess and troubleshoot these same things with trainers, uh, and managing yeah. trainer, potentially with trainer egos. And I, I think I'm pretty good at 
trying to remove the egos from the courses I'm a part of, but yeah, you know, it, it becomes easier to teach people because you're not yeah. taking that stress level. You're also not taking that people under, a, um, people that come to a certification have a level of anxiety, nerves, excitement, fear of failing. Cause there might be a strength test. How are they going to do? Are they going to get yeah. their shirt? Gen pop people are like, I'm afraid of coming into this place. I'm really nervous. I didn't sleep yeah. well. Is somebody going to judge yeah. me? What weight is that? I mean, I, I hate this one. It's like, what, what kettlebell is Susie next to me swinging? Uh, no, why I am I only yeah. swinging that? You know, th- those types of things come into play. So when you, right. get to, when you get to soak up the information in the curriculum as the assistant, even this the, the, the one time, it does help how you share it because you get to see how they're working as the drills like on a third-person point of view. I don't know. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I'm rambling this morning. It's a Friday. (laughs) It's definitely (laughs) a long week, right? (laughs) Man. So yeah, I mean, tomorrow will be my first day off in a month. I did three weeks of of workshops back to back and I've had some mellow days and I've had some travel days, but like it's, it's, it was uh, starting with uh, the DVRT workshop in Boston and then RRKC2. And then last weekend I was in Texas. So I'm, I'm very excited. For the kids to get home tonight, for Kim to get home, then tomorrow Kim and I are seeing the Misfits, and then Sunday, Deadpool two, with uh, oh good, some of the films of Fury Crew. (laughs) Sounds like a Fury weekend. Yeah, it's gonna be it's quite perfect, but yeah. So I'm sorry everybody if I if I wander a little bit. The caffeine's kicking in, I promise. (laughs) Um, So we were talking before we hit record. We share something in common that this is a second career for you as well. What was your first career? So when I got out of college, um, I started, uh, I worked for a pharmaceutical company. I worked for two pharmaceutical companies, um, but I was in sales. I worked in Manhattan. Um, and then I stayed there for, um, I stayed with pharmaceuticals for 10 years. So yeah, pushing drugs. (laughs) uh, I I mean, (laughs) this is, this is the weird one. Like, you know, so, uh, you know, I come from an advertising background and a lot of what I did early on was, was pharmaceutical stuff. Uh, I did like lipid commercials, a bunch of stuff for Pfizer, uh, Neosporin, Band-Aid, those types of things. Um, huge business. Now, did you, did you enjoy it at all? Did you, did you start to find like a conflict of interest of like working with stuff that like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a, a weird mixed benefit in pharmaceutical. Like clearly there's this negative side where uh, I'm going to be honest, I do think they want us sick and they want us to pay for mm-hmm. their drugs. But on the flip mm-hmm. side, some people really need the things you know they need and i know i got torn about that a lot yeah yeah i mean that's a great way to put it 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 does it does tear you apart um you will be torn because you know doctors are saying one thing you don't know who's you know profiting and there yeah there's a lot there's a lot um was i happy um, I, I think in the beginning, there were things that made me happy. I mean, I stayed for 10 years, so I must have been sort of happy. Um, but it didn't, like, light my soul on fire. It's funny, like, I, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I decided I wanted to be a pharmaceutical rep. I mean, sorry, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I decided I wanted to be a personal trainer. Um, it's just something about movement. I've always, it's always, you know, been in me. Um, it's always been a passion of mine. And I went to college for exercise physiology, and then I wanted to live in New York City, and personal training just didn't look like it was going to pay the bills. So I got into this other thing that did pay the bills, and I just kind of always had it in the back of my mind that it wasn't, it just wasn't the right thing for me. I didn't excel at it. I didn't, I wasn't particularly confident doing it. It gave me a lot of anxiety, you know, lots of things like that. So 
So not particularly happy doing that job now. Now, if if I can get personal on this a little bit, like, were you making a lot more money back then? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I worked for, I was in big pharma. So, um, you know, money, yeah. I mean, we had, it was, it was a sales job. So there were great quarters and there were not so great quarters, but, um, but there was like a stability and um, like a confidence that came from working for a big company. So I always knew what, or, you know, kind of where I was going to end up. Um, the benefits, you know, got cars and yeah, expense accounts and maintenance on those cars and gas and, you know, all those things that add up over time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was doing, I was doing pretty well. Now yeah. we had this conversation when Tess Ball was on the, on the podcast and how do you find that? So you had this level of anxiety and stress, you know, while you were making the money versus, you know, trainer life can be a, a very dramatic roller coaster. I mean, it's a little bit more stable. Well, it's a lot more stable when you're working at a facility, but how do you feel your stress, your daily stress handles or weekly stress handles now in comparison now that you have that dream job? And by the way, I almost cracked up when you're like, when I was 12, I wanted to be a pharmaceutical rep. I'm like, I know. What the fuck you no, no, watching? I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wanted to be a personal trainer. It's so funny. No. So I think like the stress is different. It's just different stress. I feel like I, I just have a handle on this. Um, it's something that I can do something about. And, you know, one of the great things about meeting you, um, you're a huge connector, I find. And, um, if it's something that I don't feel like I can handle, I can, you've introduced me to so many, you know, people yourself included, um, who I can, you know, call upon to help. Uh, so I just, I never feel like really lost. So the stress is there. It's definitely there. It's just nothing that I can't overcome. Yeah. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's, I find Tess put this in an interesting thing where she said, cause it's your stress and not their stress. Like when I worked in visual effects at the end and there's still elements that I really, really, really loved about doing it. And I still have some very yeah. dear friends from it, but this other people's stress upon me versus yeah. like real life stress of like, is the rent, you know, am I going to have True. the bills this, this time, right? Like this month. Yeah. And Again, having groups like Strength Faction and MFF and Business for Unicorns are certainly have a massive impact on me this year. But yeah, it, it, it's hard to sort of justify to somebody when when they just look at, you know, I, I know Kim looks at me sometimes and is like, couldn't I have met you when you're still making six figures? You know, just <laughs> <laughs> right. So you go on a vacation and, you know, you might not be editing a podcast in the middle of the night or teaching a class until 7.30. Yeah. At the same point, it's like, I know that like, give my ex-wife a holler and she'll be like, I was miserable. Like I wasn't doing <laughs> good other than making money and quite frankly, drinking uh, a, a good yeah. amount at that time. And yeah, now it's like, you know, it's a different type of thing. And I, I guess we, you can have ownership of it. I think that's the nice thing about being a, a yeah. trainer that I didn't realize. Um, and I would imagine like a tattoo artist can have this too, but whenever you're like, uh, literally if like you got fired from the gym tomorrow, you can train somebody yeah. the next day. There's nobody that right, can like, really right steal this from you unless they put you in jail and then i don't know maybe you become like i don't know fucking like the re- legit convict conditioning from inside work. the prison yeah um, everybody you can make it work we do five three one we're gonna grease the grooves yeah nobody yeah nobody get behind me <laughs> please don't shiv me yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i think like also like i give a shit you know like it's it's hard when you're doing something that you don't particularly you're not a super invested in it and again like like you said somebody else's stress is coming it's trickling into your life but this is this is my own and i i want to find a solution because i care 
Yeah. Let, let's, let me ask you this. Do you find as a, has becoming a trainer and, and you know, the, the wins and the losses and the struggles with becoming a trainer, do you find it's, it's, has it had an, a, an effect on your actual training for yourself, like either positive or negative? Oh, totally positive. Completely positive. Um, I was, you know, before I got into really RKC, well, I guess, I guess really before I started training, I was, you know, on the treadmill, um, counting calories, um, 10 pound dumbbells, bicep curls, like all the, you know, just like, like everybody else. Um, and kind of mess with, it messes with your head. You can't enjoy life the way that I know that I can now. Um, because I know that I'm in control of, you know, I don't eat like an asshole and, um, you know, how little, how little it takes, um, you know, playing around with intensity and things like that. And strength action has really opened my eyes to a lot of that. Um, but you don't really need to kill yourself. There's no, you know, the whole body confusion thing where you need to do something different every single day. Like you don't really, it takes intensity, but it doesn't take that much, you know, Yeah. that much variety. You don't have to drive yourself crazy counting calories and being nuts. It's just more to life. What would you say is the minimum time dose of a good workout that if you did it three to four days a week, you would see awesome progress? Like how 20 minutes, 20, see, uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Yeah. And then like, maybe like you have 10 minutes or warm up and cool down at the end of, you know, on, on either end of that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this actually, I think at the, at the RKC2 in the programming section, and I, I did it at OS2. It's like, you know, we get caught up as trainers and, and, as, and even on the flip side as somebody that takes and pays for classes of this idea of, a, of an hour. And an yeah. hour is not a scientifically biological, physiological, ideal point of time for fitness. Folks, yeah. it's a billable right. hour. <laughs> it's two coordinates right. on a clock to be like, okay, we start, you're done, get out, next hour, come in. Um, right. And, and I still sometimes I'm doing a better job of setting these expectations where when, when, a, when a workout or a program ends early, that like it's just done. Like and I'm, you know, yeah, like, uh, cool. I leave a lot of coaching time in my classes because, like, you know, I've got like, I've got some, you know, uh, instructor level folks, you know, um, yeah, that, that come in and, and take, you know, take classes. And I've got some newer people that are coming in and progressing. And, you know, sometimes their friends come in and I have like a, a block of time to coach people. But sometimes I literally don't need to spend it all. And the class is over very quickly, you know, say 40 minutes, yeah. you know, versus right. 50 minutes. And I, you know, part of me is like, I hope it doesn't seem like I'm robbing your money. And I had that open conversation <laughs> with him. Now I'm very open about it. I'm like, just so you know, like we're, we're done a little earlier because you knew these things. And I always ask if there's something yeah. I want to work on or something relevant to the class, but it, it's, it's not this idea of it has to be the hour. And right. I think sometimes I, I bet if we like somehow surveyed, I bet most gen pop folks and quite frankly potentially trainers too actually are getting too much volume within their class too their much volume than, than you know than needed on, on the overall right. and that's where those weird yeah. overused things start to happen exactly hey so i had a weird question yeah. for you because I, I i had a moment today where you know so the nickname is fury and it beca- it does come folks from like anger issues like i i have a very long <laughs> fuse for the most part but there's a point where like i just lose my top but then there's also points yeah. where i can snap very quickly or I, I, i've got this under so much better control where if somebody's just rude to somebody you know like i can get really aggro pretty quickly and it's you know it, it's it's not something i'm proud of and thanks 
largely to Mark Fisher Fitness. I got to give all the <laughs> looking in the mirror, life coaching, <laughs> emotional awareness stuff there. <laughs> I try to get under wraps, but today I had I, I find that I get frustrated still pretty quickly. What is getting mad like to you? Like, it, it, is, oh. it, is it a process? Is it a slow build? Like, what, what's it like when you get mad? Um, I think it's like, it's like a slow build. So like I'll arrest. So it's so funny. I was driving home and this guy is going so slowly in front of me. There's just absolutely no rhyme or reason for it. And I just like almost lost it. I'm like in a residential street and the guy is going too slowly in front of me. Like, it's so silly that I'm thinking about it now. Like I almost lost it. I think it's like a slow build. I think it takes me like a week of like small things. And then it's just like the littlest thing is just, I'm just going to lose it. <laughs> uh, so Yeah. <laughs> and how, how do you how do you come down from that when you hit your anger mode? How do you back down from that? Hmm. Um, I usually just let it happen. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of let it happen, and then uh, and then it's it's usually like natural from then. <laughs> it just kind of slowly tapers off. Like I think like I think like human beings are are not designed to be level all the time. Like it's all right to have like the peaks, and then eventually like you'll have to level off because you'll just be tired. I fully agree with that. I, I think the the idea of being even killed all the time is is I guess there's a way that that could be ideal, like in a Buddha way, you know, in a very Zen yeah. way. But I also feel yeah. like I don't know if I would enjoy my life, oddly enough, without the dark and without without the dark spots and the bright spots. You got to have the highs to appreciate the lows, or the lows to appreciate the highs. Yeah, it's like a Parenthood with Stephen Martin, Stephen Stephen Martin, Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Steven yeah. Martin, where it's like, you know, he stresses out because he's trying to overprotect the kids and, and, and the wife's like, yeah. you know, you got to ride the roller coaster. But yeah, it was so weird. Like I, yeah. in some ways I'm so much better, but like, so I went to get my, my, my son's inhaler and there was a, a mistake made uh, in the thing that was, it could have been anybody's fault last week. And I was yeah. like, Oh, can you please call in for this? Like, yes, we got it. And then, you know, they were texting yeah. and everything's ready to pick up a couple of times. So I finally got back down there today and they hadn't gotten the extra, the, the thing that was wrong fixed yet. And I was, yeah. you know, my thing is, is like, I try to be polite now because I understand the customer right. service aspect too. Like, and I'm trying to Brene Brown that right. shit where I'm like, they're just, you know, I don't know what their day is like. They're just doing the best they can. And slowly as I'm saying, I'm like doing the best I can, doing the best I can. I'm starting to <laughs> and fuck. And then the, the, the guy, the um, pharmacist, you know, was, was super nice and helpful about it. And yeah, I, I can't, I, like, I walked away feeling like, God, why, why you fucking do that? Why do you, you know, like, I almost feel like of mice and men, like, I broke another one, you know, like, I broke another yeah. habit, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. Yeah, and then I was just trying to, I was like, how do other people, how does that happen in a normal situation? Other than, like, a traditional New Yorker response of, like, you know, I'm walking here, you know, get the fuck out of my way, all that type of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But I also then find, like, I started feeling bad about myself. And then I'm like, maybe it's just the, the fact that I'm aware of it is, yeah. like, the goal. As opposed to just getting gnarly. That's a really good goal, actually. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially when, <laughs> you finally aware. A, when you finally have a gun pulled, pulled on you once, like, or, or threatened to have <laughs> yeah. a gun pulled on you once. Like, that has happened yeah. to me now. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that changed everything. <laughs> that changed everything but it just had me on this yeah. weird thing about like dealing with anger because you and and it wasn't specifically to ask you the question but then I was thinking about yeah. it you know I was heading home to set up for the show and I'm like you come across as being very even keeled like you have like um a, a presence in the room when you're teaching 
that it's mm-hmm. like uh how do i say this approachable calm authoritative right so it's like it's not yeah. just like hey push over like hey you're my buddy it's like <laughs> clearly like yeah. i'm here to help you you do not need to be intimidated by me but also i know my shit without yeah. it being ego driven where did where do you think that comes from that's a hard oh, question. god goal attained goal attained mm-hmm. um yeah that's a tough one uh, i just try you know i try to be as prepared as possible I try to be as prepared as, as possible. I kind of, you know, I have to not, this all hasn't come easy to me. Like being in front of people is not an easy thing for me. This, this right now is not an easy thing for me. Um, uh, you know, being in the spotlight. So the way that I've overcome that, you know, over the years is just to be super prepared, super prepared. Like I have to visualize everything that's going to go on. Like I've been through this before. This is how this feels. This is how I'm going to react if, if this doesn't, you know, go my way. And, you know, that's just, that's kind of what I've become. Yeah. It's appreciated. It goes back again to like why, you know, I I know I can always trust to rely on you as as an assistant Um, and beyond. Like, again, folks, I want to stress this too. Uh, Being an assistant instructor does not mean you're any less worthy than whoever's leading the room. We happen to have the title and maybe more experience in teaching the room doesn't necessarily even mean that we've taught kettlebells more or less than, than anybody, but you know, I've had assistants that have come in unprepared, you know, and sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be here or maybe you should be researching. Now people don't get nervous freaking out. Like who was he talking about? (laughs) Like, (laughs) who was he talking about? But I've seen it in big, you know, in both big and small groups where it's like, you know, did you even read the manual before you came? Like the bare minimum you should be able to demo the things well. I don't expect that you're going to know, remember every single drill we go over. But like, if you read the manual, you'll be able to go, oh, that one. And that's yeah. my job too, to help everybody, you know, kind of try to look good on it. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And I think that's another one where if we can invest in ourselves on that, it's like another level of detail that if I'm looking at a trainer that might train somebody in my family, I'm going to look at the yeah. one that's like prepared, who's coming in prepared for that and have, and have that background. Yeah versus the one that might be more charming or have more personality or be more jacked or be more lean or whatever, yeah. you know, other descriptors or have more hair. I don't know. I don't have hair. <laughs> um, That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I do all right. I do all right. You do fine. Uh, You're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, going back onto this thing, the, the one thing that I've noticed that I struggle with now at my training, right? So I, I've kind of, I've seen this as hurdles lately is normally I get uh, becoming a busy coach. My training has perpetually suffered to some degree um, for various reasons. Part of it is just like, I'm a low energy. I'm tired. I'm not booking it. I'm too scattered. Part of it has been, I start working out and I'm like, Oh, I got an idea for a video. So folks, if you're wondering like, put out videos like he used to do, it's like, it's intentional. Cause like, I really just want to lift. I don't want to think necessarily like this would make a blog idea. And I know that sort of sucks for the, the groups that I, I teach for. Um, I, I hope that in makeup content creations is, you know, I speak about a lot of the stuff I teach for in this podcast and just because it is who I am, nobody's like being like, Hey Fury, you need to say 20 lines about original strength, original strength, original strength, you know, <laughs> to sell it. Um, and I, and then, you know, I dealt last, you know, in the last year it's been, and you and I have had like, you know, a little heart to heart about the stuff that my thyroid 
really had a massive yeah. effect on my training where I need to kind of separate that. But there's still days where I yeah. find, even though I do so much, you know, this is the other thing. I do a lot of online training, right? Like everybody wants to do online training. I do a good amount of it where I can fall behind just by being on my computer. And I've literally got 30 bells behind me, but yeah. I get stuck on the computer. So, right. you know, I, I, I'm trying to, a make more time for myself on it and b like sometimes it starts to feel a little work in a different way than the joy i had of it when i found it do you ever do you ever lose that joy at all yeah every once in a while i do and but i've just learned to like anticipate that you know like it's it, anticipate it roll with it give it you know a couple of days and hopefully you know it's always come back for me like I, that's not ever been my that's not ever really been my thing like i've always use the movement like kind of more like therapy. Um, and you know, so that's, that's kind of been my thing, but like, yeah, I mean, it'll always be there. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's that weird thing where I get so caught up, you know, and and part of it's all the transitions of like trying to get people to come to workshops, trying to get people to train with me where all the video and content generation, making stuff, it just takes away from that specialness of just training and I'm getting better at scheduling and the podcast I feel is different. Cause like, I just, this is just pure joy getting to talk to friends. Yeah. On the show. It's like a complete yeah. different experience for me. And I, I hope listeners, awesome. everyone listening, I, yeah. I hope that comes through. Um, yeah. this, this isn't a, a, a money making gimmick. Um, it's just something that I wanted to do and I really enjoy doing to the point now that I'm just simply trying to do it better, both in terms of, I, I hope you can hear the new mic. This would be like the third episode. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I got new headphones. Uh, I'm, I'm reading, finally reading articles on like podcasts. <laughs> so like that's oh, awesome. <laughs> and I think that that is going to help me on the back end find the fitness side of it. Because for a little while, it was just like, you know, how many, ugh, how many tutorials do we need? And I know it's all like, yeah. and like I, I don't want to shut people down in any way. It is your voice. People want to hear your voice. Yeah. And people right. want to see like your Two percent. I don't mean this in a negative way, but let's face it. Most of the cues we're doing, if we're going to talk about a kettlebell swing, most of them are going to date all the way back to like, you know, 15 years ago, the first RKC manual. Not a whole lot of new cues come up since then, but it's going to be your take on it. But sometimes I'm just like, my take. (laughs) I just don't care. (laughs) Um, I'd rather work. I've also just learned I'd rather work with you in a room or with a person than through social media. Artemy's even been like thinking about like, dropping off a of social media to some degree with the exception of this podcast. Oh. Now I'm not anywhere. Yeah. That might be like career suicide a little bit. Yeah. But, that's scary. You know, I, I hate looking at my phone to see if somebody like, you know, if I post oh. about a workshop, I hate being like, did anybody like it? Did anybody comment? I know. I know. I, but at least you're self-aware enough to like have these thoughts. Yeah. I don't know if I have the self will though <laughs> to follow through <laughs> and minimize them. <laughs> like, you know, I, <laughs> everybody out there, if you've never taken Facebook, if you haven't taken Facebook off your phone in the last like two years, delete it from your phone, delete Instagram from your phone, delete email from your phone, right? Yeah. Because you can always check it. Everybody can check from somewhere within a two hour window. So the world won't fall. Yeah. And watch how many times you grab your phone to look at nothing. Because you're like, you're just yeah. expecting to get that dopamine fix of it. So part of me is trying yeah, to be well, like, yeah. you know, Fury in the Shadows, Secret Society, <laughs> where, you know, social media for the podcast, like, it's a different thing. Like, I, I get to share cool artwork and, 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 and 
get people to like know about my friends like Becky. Um, yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, I need to do a training business and I know it's important, but sometimes I just feel like, I guess it doesn't help that I've branded everything easy to find as Fury something. But I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Listeners, do you want to, like outside of this podcast, I don't want to hear if you want this podcast to be over and done with, but uh, <laughs> comment on this thread if you can. And now I'm not going to go crazy on my phone, though, trying to see did anybody comment on it. Like, what do you think would happen for coaches if they just stopped Instagramming? Like, if you just think about or, or you know, social media marketing, because let's face it, most of our business is coming from referrals anyway. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I wonder, totally. like, how, what, what negative, if you think of the life you would gain back, the hours of your day, days per year, you would gain back not being on social media. Yeah. against just really spending half of that time back investing in meeting friends of friends, refer, you know, like doing trial classes, whatever, outreach of some other sorts. I wonder how your business would grow. Not necessarily on an online model if you're looking for online models, but like at least in like a, a personal training class setting, I wonder what would happen there. Yeah. You think things would fall apart? You know, my, my only fear is that there are so many good people doing good things that and there are so many more who are just trying to confuse people um, that I feel like the confused, they would just be, it would just, that would take over. Well, let me ask you this though. You like, if I devil's advocate that though. So um, yeah. if you and I and 60 other local trainers are putting up content and, you know, talking about classes yeah. and sales and your videos yeah. are on point, mine are mediocre and there's some horrible ones. Do we think, generally speaking, the people, non-trainers, right? So we have, this is the other thing. A lot of fitness stuff, we've, we haven't talked about this in a while. A lot of, a lot of fitness posts are for fitness people, right? So it's yeah. like, we're kind of yeah. oddly selling to people that aren't going to make us money anyway. I, I'm a, a little bit of right. an option where it's like, I'm teaching courses, so I want you to come to my courses. So if you can trust that I know what I'm doing or get a sense that I know what I'm doing, it might add value. But if I just put out killer swing videos aimed at trainers, they're not going to yeah. come and necessarily train with me. Um, I mean, unless for a cert, right. But if I was just like a gym owner, not teaching a cert, like, er, you know, who knows? So do you think like a yeah. gen pop person, you know, is just like, Oh, I heard about a kettlebell and here's 50 social media videos of gyms, trainers in your neighborhood. Do you think they, they could even separate what would be good and bad? No, it would be more like no, what positive. Cleaner, what's well, what's, what's lit better, what's cleaner, what has better graphics, you know? Yeah. Because the weird thing with yeah, kettlebells definitely. and fitness too is, you know, like sometimes the more dynamic stuff like that might look cooler and yeah. in some ways feel better, like, like a heavily over-rotated one-arm swing in a weird way. Yeah. It's real bad for you, but it looks yeah. and feels super dynamic because it's like you're throwing away the whole anti-rotation aspect of it, which is like the point yeah. of the thing. That's but, right. yeah. you know, if so, you might see the video and be like, oh, that's better. You know, and I don't want to bash right. on America swings folks american swings are swings but like if you saw a great video of a chest high swing right and wow. then you saw yeah. a mediocre video of an overhead swing you're probably gonna think that like the crummy overhead swing is just the better right yeah and if then if you bigger. saw a, a beautiful kettlebell snatch single bell kettlebell snatch one arm you might think that's too crazy because it's only one arm i'm gonna do the two-handed one that's got to be safer yeah. where it probably you know depending right. on your mobility wouldn't be and, and that's where yeah. I, I wonder if we just put the work back in. I don't know. This is just ideas. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm not it's going to. Great point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, it's a great I, point. I just started thinking about this the other day. 
Yeah. And because I, I, I can sit on my phone now, because I do all the graphics for the podcast. I do all the Fury Industry graphics. They're all on my phone, right? It's like, a, it's mm-hmm. amazing. It's like a gift to think that like, this is not a complaint. To think that we can create these marketing things without having like staffs of designers, you know, coming from an advertising background, like, I, you know, look, can they do it better? Yes. <laughs> much better, mm-hmm. much better. Mm-hmm. But the fact yeah. that like, you know, we spend so much time doing it, you know, and like, it's all long-term people come in, but I'd like, I still like to believe like as a trainer, as if I was a blacksmith, as, as if I was a local tailor, the, the, yeah. the people coming in are going to be the neighborhood people, right? Or the, or your yeah. tribe that's building. And I, I don't know if that's like, you know, a, a 20,000, you know, Instagram follower reach, or if it's just like a thousand and 50 of them show up to your door and tell 10 friends. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're onto something. <laughs> let's let's do an Infinity War version of this. Did you get to see Infinity War? No. I'm yeah. terrible with movies. Are you gonna? Like if I spoil something right now, are you gonna Oh do- no, I'm not going to. There's right. zero chance. So trainer <laughs> population right now, at the snap of my fingers, half of you delete your social media accounts like Thanos at the end of Infinity War, and then check back in and one month and let's see if business fell apart or actually got better or more importantly if your quality of life got better so half of you you got to decide though because i'm not going to pick it at the snap of my fingers thanos style delete your social media accounts Ah. (laughs) what have i done done (laughs) done (laughs) um yeah if you did decide to do that (laughs) as an experiment (laughs) let let me know let me know well, it's really interesting. Who was I listening to? I don't know if it was Tim Ferriss podcast. I think it might have been Tim Ferriss. And he was talking about, um, it was Tim Ferriss. They were talking about actually like um, about podcasts. I was listening to a specific episode, Flying Austin, about making a podcast and blogs. And he said like the big thing that he still does is emails. Because, you know, yeah. the social media ads and the ever-changing algorithms, I get so less reach on anything that I post on social media these days especially on Facebook, where it, it, I have no even idea if anybody sees it. So I'll post up, say, like the next episode of the podcast. And I don't judge everything based on likes, but say it gets like 10 likes, right? Only, it yeah. might only get 10 likes. But then I can go on my actual like RSS feed and see like, you know, yeah. 150 to 300 people have listened to this. So the numbers wow. don't correlate versus no, what this algorithm is and what my, my actual reach is. Now, mind you, 250 to three, you know, 150 to like 300 is not a lot of listeners. I love you all. I'm super grateful for you. Don't go anywhere. Um, and, and, and that's still like, you know, I expected 20 per episode. So like we're winning folks together, all of us together, we're winning this thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's trying to get a sense of what's like a marketable reach. You know, I don't know. I don't know if social media is the way and I've done ads for workshops in local areas and, you know, sometimes they fall flat and yeah. I would say like, I don't know if I could ever actually say I made a dime off of like, actually, I I remember I had a a workshop in Kansas that got canceled. And I did, I don't know, maybe only like a 50 to $100 push for it. Very targeted, though, like strength, kettlebells, um, specific code words for people within, you know, uh, tag word, tag words within that and uh, hashtags within a certain amount of locales, like, so really try to like laser focus it. And like, I don't think I got one sign up from it, but I spent a hundred bucks, you know, and I spent the time. It's all getting much more difficult. And, and, you know, I know a lot of us went to event pages after that to try to help promote. I don't know if that's even 
doing it because basically you end up with like 20 people saying they're interested in something five that are actually going to go and then you know 30 yeah. maybes that never look at the thing again and that's right. where i'm like the social media aspect of it i i just i feel like we, i want to go back almost to like the diy days of punk rock where can oh sorry folks my phone just rang in i don't know how the heck that just happened on the computer but we're just gonna, <laughs> we're gonna deal with it um yeah. is you know like somehow do like you know share tapes again can we just share cassette tapes yeah oh just share tapes <laughs> i'll send you a tape this <laughs> mixtapes can we do that again cassettes yeah. are making oh a my comeback, god which is a horrible idea <laughs> for anybody Everything young enough, come back. That, that suddenly thinks cassettes are cool i'm just gonna say yeah. it very bluntly you're fucking wrong they're not it was the worst <laughs> most- it doesn't sound better it was the worst, most delicate format. It did not sound better. You couldn't skip to a no. song. They broke. No. It was just the, it was horrible. So can we just decide collectively to just end that, right? I get vinyl. I yeah. totally understand it. CD still pretty yeah. awesome. Um, I still, yeah. clearly digital. I was talking to my friend Chase and, you know, I, I still buy Blu-rays for certain things. And I'm like, I don't know why. I just bought Black Panther and I have yeah. the, you know, the, the, the Blu-ray that comes with the digital download. I'm like, why am I even putting yeah. the disc in the thing anymore? Because it's already on my smart <laughs> TV now as the movie. Right. Um, Amazing. But I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of, I'm going to have to think about this. Folks. Yeah. I don't I'm know. Feel, me too. I'm feeling a little motivated to see what would happen just even from a, a life thing to see if I went away for a month, maybe people would be excited for me to come back. Don't lose your handles yeah. though. Right? Like that's the thing I fucked up no. and I don't have, if you look on Instagram, it's the only one where it's, I am coach fury. Cause I had coach fury. And then there was one of those like viral things went around that Instagram was selling your photos like five years ago. Um, you know, it was yeah. like one of those like, you know, uh, permissions, rights, licensing. So like, they have permission to sell your family photos. So I deleted the account and I could never get the name back. And now someone else has it. Uh, and, uh, no. yeah, you know, and it's fine. I, you know, like, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily, if there was like, if you Googled the nickname and saw how many places I'm going to pop up, I don't know if I, not that I'm like a super celebrity in any way, but I don't know if I would try to have the same nickname in fitness, but, um, it's the only one. So if you do this, don't lose your handles. Like don't delete it and lose yeah. your handle. Like keep, keep your, uh, you know, your handles. Cause that, that's, that's the only one that I regret. And it's, uh, but it's like, you know, it's fine. And to whoever's using it, Godspeed. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about? This went really quickly. Yeah, I did go quickly. No, I, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I think so too. And you know what? You're good stuff. Thank you. I think you're good stuff too. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> uh, do you remember the movie, the stuff? No, I told, I, I'm just terrible. This, the stuff was this low budget horror movie from the eighties when like yogurt was a big thing. And it was like a yogurt uh-huh. that would like eat you. Uh, oh God. Out. Yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> I want to go watch that now. It was like, it was kind of like a blob, but it was like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm probably fucking this up, but it was like a yogurt thing. <laughs> I don't know if I ever saw the whole yeah. thing. Kim and I might need to go see if I can download that on Amazon or something now. Yeah, well, you have a free weekend, so now you have something to do, <laughs> something else to do. 
Yeah, I built an IKEA dresser. That was exciting. <laughs> oh, nice! Oh, god, did that add to your frustration? <laughs> uh, it's 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 really nice that it's done. No, it was actually you know I finished yeah. it yesterday, and it was, it was basically one of those like it took like five hours where it was like I'd work on it a few yeah. hours class, work on it a couple hours, have a session, work on it a few hours, teach a class, and yeah. then it's done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ramona, did you hear that? Ramona just darted into the room. She's looking at me crazy. Aww. She's on point, Aww. fired up. Oh, good. So all this chaos you're hearing, folks, is Ramona tearing ass around the, uh, <laughs> the couch. <laughs> and she'll promptly be asleep in about five seconds. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's all done, but now I got to do that weird thing of like transferring everything into it and getting rid of like the the thing we had in its place. So that'll be fun. Oh yeah, um, yeah, be fun. Anyway, that. enough about IKEA. By the way, here's a hack: if you ever want the cheapest meal ever, when we were building out MFF Bowery, oh my God. we all went to the the actually IKEA cafeteria in the IKEA in Red Hook, Brooklyn. That food is so much cheaper than you would imagine. I'm oh, not going to say it's good or bad. Call. But it is like insanely, insanely, insanely cheap. Yeah, they have all that Scandinavian stuff, like all the fish and <laughs> all that crazy stuff. <laughs> right? Um, anyway, yeah. that went off tangent. Hey, Becky, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Hey, listeners, die mighty. Awesome. Hey, where can they follow you? Um, so my name on Instagram is R as in Rebecca K A T. So like R cat 51. So R cat 51. Nice. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on and listeners stay tuned for the next episode. My buddy, Ben Marvin, we recorded when we were out in Austin and, uh, subscribe to this. If you haven't yet in the land of iTunes, that means a lot, but thank you for listening. I really enjoyed doing the show and it was awesome talking to you, Becky. So thanks for coming on. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.NYC for band, music, tour, and merch information. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or visit him on Instagram at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everybody. 